Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, everybody. This is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the French word bêche, meaning digger. Hello everybody, welcome along to this Cricket Badger podcast. It's a New Year's Eve special. Happy New Year to each and every one of you. Hopefully that 2021 is far better than 2020 and to be honest it's a low bar to beat isn't it? We have a different kind of Cricket Badger podcast today because we are seeking the Cricket Badger Big Brain of the Year. We have three contenders and they're three voices that if you've listened to the podcast during the year 2020 you will be more than familiar with. First of all, and it's always a joy to welcome him back to the Cricket Badger podcast, it's the BBC TMS's Dan Norcross. How are you? I'm, I'm oddly well, thank you, uh, James. I find Twixmas is my favourite time of year. The streets are empty, there's nobody doing anything, there's no work, it's all quiet, there's lots of cricket to watch. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm oddly content, strangely, just about. Marvellous. Oddly being the appropriate word, I imagine. <laughs> and uh, we, we have had, um, obviously, two fantastic T20 editions of the Cricket Badger podcast going through the year. We did the IPL and had a lot of fun doing that throughout that competition. And one of the fan reps on there representing his cohorts from the IPL dailies. It's Neil Varani, our Sunrise Hyderabad fan. Neil, how are you? Hi, James. I'm, uh, I'm really good. I'm much better than I was uh, this time last week following uh, the first test between Australia and India. After this last one, I'm in a very happy place. Well, India doing okay, I think. If you if you actually accumulate the points across the two test matches, I think India have got their, their heads in front in that series at the moment. It's going to be interesting to see how the last two test matches go. Finally, um, we are currently doing the Big Bash dailies, and uh, one of the key components of that is Sam Dalling, our Adelaide Strikers fan. Sam, how are you? Oh, hi, James. I'm great. I'm not sure I've ever been described as a con- key component of anything, so I'm well, quite a happy start. But yeah, I'm good. I'm, you know, 
I've got a week off. It's a strange one because you literally can't do anything, but there is plenty of sport to watch, which is keeping me entertained. So my housemates are away and I've got a good setup on the sofa. You know, I don't have to tidy everything away because there's no one around to, to chase me. The Cricket Badger then, Big Brain of the Year quiz. It's a number of different rounds and it starts off with um, just a basically general cricket knowledge couple of rounds you get a question each if you get it right without any help it's three points if you need to go to multiple choice then you can claim one point if you get it right at that stage if you don't get any of those right you get absolutely nothing let's start with you dan norcross for your first question to find out if you are the cricket badger big brain of the year who was the first player to score a test match century oh that's charles bannerman in the very first test match in uh, Melbourne in 1877, which Australia won by 45 runs. <laughs> and in so doing, he set a world record that has still not been surpassed. It is the highest percentage of runs by any player in a completed inning. Um, you only get three points for that, despite the fact that the answer's <laughs> worth probably about 83. Uh, but Dan Norcross is off the mark and he's raring to, I think he's probably the favourite guys I think you've got a bit to beat here oh, Sam, I, meant to add, I think he retired hurt as well but, uh, you get you get minus one for not adding that in in the first time <laughs> Sam Dalling your first question of this uh, Cricket Badger Big Brain of the Year quiz who is the only British Prime Minister to have played first class cricket oh it's a question I should know I've got I, I have no idea um, I'm feeling woefully inadequate already, and I've also misjudged the title. I was thinking it was a, a quiz of 2020, so I've been I spent the morning scouring the scorecards of 2020 test matches. Um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna need some help with that one, James. <laughs> All right, your multiple choice answers are: Is it A. Winston Churchill? Is it B. John Major? Or is it C. Alec Douglas Hume? Alec Douglas Hume. You get your first point of the Big Brain of the Year quiz. You're up and running. You have one on the scoreboard. Neil Varani, your first question. Who was the man of the match in the first ever One Day International? First One Day International was circa 69-70. Would have probably been England, Australia. You're doing okay so far, but you're not giving me an answer. No. I'm going to go multiple choice on this one. Okay, if you if you have a guess now, you can still take your multiple choice. You don't forfeit it. Okay, uh, I will go for Dennis Lilly. Incorrect answer. Your multiple choice answers are: Is it A. John Edrich, B. Bill Laurie, or C. Jeffrey Boycott? I'm going to go with Sir Jeffrey. Incorrect answer, I'm afraid, Neil. Oh. It was John Edrich who scored 82 at the MCG. In 1970-71, in the first ever One Day International. Let's move on to round two. Dan Norcross, your second question. Which ground in England has staged just one test match? Uh, Bramall Lane. He's often flying, and he? He's got another three points to his uh, name. They held England against Australia in 1902. Sam, your second question. Which team won the 1983 Cricket World Cup? So I don't forfeit the multiple choice if I have a guess, do I? No. Um, Australia. Incorrect answer. Your multiple choice, and one of the multiple choices has gone because you've just guessed it. So uh, right, ig- ig- good, good ig- ignore that. C. So now you're 50 50. This isn't too bad. Yeah. Was it A, India, or B, West Indies? Oh, you know, I'm not going to win any, curry any favour if I say it was before I was born, am I? Um, <laughs> I'm going to go for the West Indies. Incorrect answer. It was India. Oh. Neil would have known that one, wouldn't you, Neil? I would uh, the the birth of the game in uh, in the subcontinent. 
Right. Uh, you would have got that one, but will you get this one? Who was the player of the tournament at IPL 2017? Okay. 2017. So, it's Mumbai Indians win, just on the alternates. I'm going to go Jasper Bumra. Incorrect answer. Is it A, Kieran Pollard? Is it B, Joss Butler? Or is it C, Ben Stokes? Oh, of course, that would have been the uh, first season of the uh, Rising Pune Soup Giant. It's, uh, it's Ben Stokes. It certainly is. You're off and running. You have a point. So after round, well, one and two, Dan Norcross is flying away in the lead. He has six points. Sam has one. And Neil has one. In changing times like these, make a change yourself. Buy your own home. Still living with parents or renting? Why not buy your first property? Mortgage rates are lower than ever. Speak to Blue Crocodile. Blue Crocodile? Yeah, Blue Crocodile. They'll get you the right first time buy a deal by searching the market for the most competitive option for you. They don't bite. They're just straight-talking people like me. Give them a bell or go online. Blue Crocodile. Let's move on then to round number three. And there are 15 men, gentlemen, that have scored over 9,000 test match runs. You're going to have to go in rotation here, name one, and then move on to the next person to name one. If you get a suggestion wrong, then you are out of the entire round and you can't score any points from there on. You can get one point for everybody that you name that is correct. We're going to start with Dan. Um, So Dan, your task is to name one of the men, one of the 15 men that has scored over 9,000 test match runs. I'm going to start with Sunil Gavaskar. Sunil Gavaskar is correct. Dan Norcross, you have a point. Sam? I'm going to start with Sachin Tendulkar. Sachin Tendulkar for Sam gets him a point. Neil? Uh, Jacques Callis. Jacques Callis for Neil Varani. Back to you, Dan. Ricky Ponting. Ricky Ponting is on the list. Sam? Sir Jeffrey Boycott. Oh, Sir Jeffrey got 8,000 and something runs, didn't he? He didn't quite make 9,000. Uh, Sam, you're out of the round. I'm sorry. Neil, your I'm turn. Sorry. Um, Kumar Sangakara. Kumar Sangakara is in there. Dan. Mahela Jaya Wadera. He certainly is. Neil. Sir Alistair Cook. Sir Alistair Cook for Neil Varani is in there. Dan. Shivnarain Chandrapal. Dan Norcross gets another point for Shiv. Neil. Raul Dravid. Raul Dravid is in there. Neil Varani, another point for you. Dan. Alan Border. Alan Border is there. Dan Norcross has not put a foot wrong just yet, has he? Neil, your turn. Brian Lara. Brian Lara is in there for Neil Varani. Dan. Graham Smith. Graham Smith is there as well. Dan Norcross is flying. There are three names left. Neil. Uh, the Mighty Hash. Hashim Amler is there, Neil Varani. Two names left. Dan Norcross. Stephen War. Dan Norcross picks up another point. Only one left, Neil. If you get this, then well played. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, flick through. I'm going to say Eunice Khan. Well, I'll tell you what. Well played between you. Sam, you didn't contribute quite as much, but um, <laughs> that was fantastic. Dan Norcross, you picked up seven points there. Neil Varani won. I think, actually, Dan, you got eight points, didn't you? Because you went first. Neil Varani gets seven. Oh, uh, no, no I, think, I think Sam got one, didn't he? That's I right. Did. So, yeah, you, yeah, you are quite two, correct. Two sevens and a one. Two sevens and a one. So, basically, after that round, Dan <laughs> goes on to 13. Sam is on to two. 
and Neil Varani has moved up to eight points. Well played, everybody. That was a really, I was impressed with that. Very impressed indeed. Right, you gave me, gentlemen, a specialist subject when I asked you to come on to this podcast. And we'll go in reverse order here. We'll get, let Sam get some points back. Sam, your chosen subject was Somerset this century. And Somerset have had yeah. a number of high-profile and low-profile overseas players that have played for them in the T20 competition. So what I want you to do, you have one minute to name as many overseas players that have played for Somerset in the T20 Blast and whatever else it's been called down the, its various incarnations. But they have to come from West Indies, Australia, New Zealand or India. Do you understand the task in front of you? Yes. If I get one wrong, do I fail miserably? You get a point for everyone out. you mentioned that's right. If you, if you say Jeffrey Boycott again and it's wrong, then we just move on to your next guess. Okay, so, so right. If you if you are ready, I will press start. Go. Uh, West Indies: Jerome Taylor, Kyron Pollard, Justin Langer, Dan Cullen, Cameron White, Murali Kartik, Corey Anderson came over for a bit. Um, what was it? New Zealand, Australia, West Indies, and India. Yep. Um, who else did we have? Graham Smith of African. Yeah. You started off really well there. Keep going, keep going. You've got yeah, 20, I know. Though, 25 right? seconds left. I'm trying to think who else in those countries has been. Zealand. Oh, I'm completely gone. Blank. You have 10 seconds left. Come on, Sam. Come on, come on. Find one more. It's that Badger style. Now, that is the end of your round. I'm just going to go through because you read them out so quickly at the start. I just want to make sure I got these right. You said Kartik, yeah. didn't you? You said Corey Anderson, Jerome Taylor, Chris Gale, Jim Allenby, Kieran Pollard and Cameron Wright. Did you, was there anybody else there that you said that... Uh, I, I, I didn't say Allenby or um, Chris Gale. I said Jerome Taylor. Dan Cullen I had. Justin Langer. You are Justin Langer, didn't you? Yes. So, right. You have, you missed out. There's Jamie Cox, Neil Hancock, um, Thos Hunt, which I've never heard of, and Ricky Ponting. Um, did you Did you mention Ricky? No, I didn't. I mean, Thos, that's a dodgy overseas. He was a, I don't know if he was <laughs> an overseas player. Amari Banks, I don't think you said. Um, Dirk Nanez no. and uh, Luke Ronchi um, were the ones that you missed out on. So you finished that round with one, two, three, four, five... Six points to add to your tally, which takes you to a total of eight at the moment at the end of your specialist subject round. You did better than Monty Ponisar, let me say. Um, right. Did, did Jamie Cox play for Somerset in T20? I thought he'd gone by 03. He was on the list that, that I got. Oh, and, maybe, maybe. Anyway, you didn't get him anyway. So. Anyway. <laughs> um, right, Neil, you're in second place at the moment. So let's move on to your specialist subject. You chose to go with the World Cups of the last decade. Now, I thought that was a little bit too slim, so I'd taken it back to 2007 as well. Purely for, I wanted to get each of you a list that was roughly the same length. Um, and by stretching it back to 2007, um, I want the, you to name and reel off the players of World Cups since 2007. So you've got 2007, 11, 15 and 19 to go at that have scored scores individually of 148 or more. Do you understand the task ahead of you? 
Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, 148 or more since um, 2007 and for men's ODIs. And if, okay. you, if you say anybody that's wrong, obviously it doesn't count, but it doesn't uh, stop you in your tracks. So I'm going to press start now. Go for it. Uh, Gilchrist, uh, Saywag, uh, Guttel and Gale got doubles, um, Rowett, Shippadawan, Warner, Finch, Maxwell, McCullum, possibly, um, Charles Coventry in the World Cup, way too early. Uh, who else? Uh, Hayden Ponting, potentially. Uh, Strauss against India in 2011. Um, possibly Tendulkar, but unsure there. Holy hasn't. Tangkara. It's that Badger style. You did all right there. You did all right. Um, I'll read out the ones that you said that are correct. Martin Guptill, Chris Gale, David Warner, Virinda Sewag, Matty Hayden, Andrew Strauss, Aaron Finch, and Adam Gilchrist. So that's one, two, three, four, eight points you take from that round. Um, the ones you missed out on, A.B. de Villiers, um, Tilakratni Dilshan, Imran Nazir for Pakistan, Hashim Amla, um, Carl Kutzer for Scotland, Jason Roy in the last World Cup, um, Owen Morgan mm. in the last World Cup, and uh, Kane Williamson as well. So they're the ones you missed, but you took eight from that round, Neil Varani, which takes you to 16 points at the end of uh, your specialist subject. Dan Norcross, mm. you opted to go for the Ashes Between the Wars. And I did. I have gone through and I have um, found the captains that captained... Ooh either England or Australia, in an Ashes series between the World Wars. Um, there are eight English and seven Australian on my list in front of me. Um, so it is over to you to name as many captains as you can from either England or Australia that captained in the Ashes between the World Wars. Go! Uh, John Lennon hit today, Douglas. Warwick Armstrong, that's the first one. And Douglas again, Lionel Tennyson. Armstrong, Arthur Gilligan, Gubby Allen, Douglas Jardine, um, Donald Bradman, Percy Chapman, Bill Woodfall. Uh, running out now. I'm running out. Done Gilligan. Done Tennyson. I've done Douglas. I've done Jardine. Done Allen. Done Armstrong. Done Woodfall. Who were the other Australians? Vic Richardson. It's that Badger style. You get Vic Richardson right on the button there um, as I press the button. Um, You've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight as well out of that round. Um, What was the eight I got? To add to your existing, what did you have, 13 before. So that's 21 to take you to. 
the ones you got right, um, you got Tennyson, Gilligan, um, Chapman, Jardine, Gubby Allen, <coughs> excuse me, and you got Woodfall. I said, Johnny, I said Johnny won't hit today, Douglas, right at the beginning. You said who? Johnny won't hit today, Douglas. J-W-H-T Douglas. No, he's not on my list. Not, but, well, not, he, was captain, he was captain in the first series in 1921. We'll put that under advisement for, for a later date. So, where did we get to? Jardine, Gubby Allen, Woodfall, Richardson and Bradman from Australia. The ones I've got down... That I said made, Armstrong. I said Armstrong as well, right at the beginning. You did indeed. Douglas and Armstrong. You did indeed. You say them so fast. <laughs> so that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine you get. So you go to 22, I think. If my well, I wanted to check Douglas because that gives me 10. Well, no, we'll keep that under our, under, under our hats. I, I've got that you've missed Arthur Carr, Jack White, um, <sighs> Cyril Walters, and then for the Australians, Herbie Collins, Warren... Bardsley. Bardsley. Jack Ryder. Ah! So you you, ah. you got... A, I think the ones you missed were the ones that lost, mainly. Um, so the, the mm. ones that maybe didn't quite register quite as much as they as the others might have done. But still, a pretty good stab, I think, from all three of you there. 22 for Dan, 8 for Sam, and 16, the running totals for Neil. The next round is a Who Am I round. There are potentially five points up for grabs, and all three of you are able to buzz in for this one. When I say buzz in, what I want you to do is shout your name out if you think you know the answer. So, Dan, it's Dan, Sam, it's Sam, Neil, it's Neil. You know how it works. Let's start off with this first one. If you buzz in for a guess, it means that if you get it wrong, you're ruled out for the rest of it, so it leaves it to the other two. So, the first one for five points... I was born on the 23rd of November 1961, and when in the fifth grade at school, I pestered my father to be allowed to play football. I did quite well, despite being one of the smallest players. For four points, I started my career playing district cricket for Footscray in 1978-79. The ground they played at is now named after me. For three points, I first appeared for Australia against India in 1985-86. And I took one for 123. I wasn't reselected until the Ashes series of the following year. For two points, my nickname was Fruit Fly. Alan Border explained it was a reference to Australia's greatest national pest. Oh, Dan. Dan? Greg Matthews. Incorrect answer. That leaves Neil and Sam with one point potentially to go at. The crowd often chanted sumo. When I ran into bowl and I played my last test match in Cape Town against South Africa in 1994. Neil, Tom Moody? No, Merv Hughes. Ah, Merv Hughes, marvellous Merv Hughes. So no, no points gained there. We'll try another one of those then. Um, He's not much more, was he? Merv well, that's, that's why I put that, that's why I put that in yeah. there. I thought it'd throw you off no, the nice centre. Like it. it. Yeah. All right. I like it. This one might be a little bit easier. For five points, I was born on the fifth of November, 19. 19- 88, and my father was a criminal lawyer. For four points, I once said, I've seen a lot of life, losing my father at a young age, the family business not doing too well, staying in a rented place. They were tough times for the family. It's all embedded in Neil. my memory. Neil. Virat Kohli. Virat Kohli for four points. Well done, Neil. So you Work, that's all. The other clues were Captain India under 19s to victory at the 2008 under 19 World Cup in Malaysia. In August 2008, I was included in the Indian ODI squad for the Tour of Sri Lanka after playing only eight List A matches in which I was. it was described as a surprise call-up. I think the final one would have given it to any of you. I started dating a Bollywood actress in 2013 and we were coupled up by the media as Virushka. So, uh, that- I can't believe he's 32. I mean, that's extraordinary, isn't it? There we have it then. 22 plays 20 Mm. plays 8. 
as we go into the next round of this quiz. Mortgages are simpler than you think when you have a crocodile on your side. Blue Crocodile, making mortgages snappy and simple. Visit bluecrocodile.co.uk, follow them on Twitter at Blue Croc Money, or find them on Facebook. Blue Crocodile. The next round is You Are the Umpire. There are five points up for grabs for a perfectly answered, an- well, answer <laughs> to the question. Um, and I will, I will be the judge of how many points you get for your particular answer. We'll start off with you, Dan. And your question is, you are standing in an England against Australia one day international. Australia need four to win with two balls left. But the number 10 batsman is on strike. And David Warner's down the other end. He's flying. He's got a massive century. He wants to get back on strike to make sure he gets Australia home. Joffre Archer, he races in. He bowls a short delivery. It's fast. The number 10 swings his bat trying to pull him over square leg. And he gets a huge top edge. David Warner calls the number 10 through. They run the single. The ball is still in the air. It's through the clouds. It's up. It's nearly gone into space. The wicketkeeper decides to opt against catching it and allows it to drop. And it drops onto the middle stump and basically breaks the bales in two. David Warner stands there preparing to face the last ball of the one day international. But the fielders appeal for a bold. What do you suggest? So um, the ball's come off the batsman's bat and has hit the stump without any interference from anybody else. Uh, the batsman is out bold, and David Warner must return to the non-striker's end. The number 11 will come out to bat with four required to win off the last ball, and England will win. Dan Norcross, you are the umpire. That is almost a perfect answer to that question. You move to 27 points with a full five on that one. It is totally irrelevant how long the ball is in the air after coming off the bat. If it comes off the bat and goes onto the stumps, he's bold. He's uh, effectively played on to his own wicket. So uh, Dan takes the maximum point. Sam, the batting side need one run to win. David, I don't know why I've used David Warner in all of these, but anyway. David David Warner is 96 not out. The bowler runs in, oversteps the popping crease, and David Warner crashes the ball over long on for six. He raises his bat in celebration of not just winning the game, but of a fantastic century for his country. What does Warner finish on, and what does the scorer stick into the scorebook? On the basis, if you need a couple to win, you hit a boundary, you get the four if you haven't run them. What's Warner on 96? Yeah. So I'm going to put Warner finishes on 102 and a star next to his name, and the scorer puts six and draws a circle around the ball. And if it's not right, it sounded convincing. So well, I'm going to give you one point for actually remembering the no ball part of that, but that is all you're going to get, I'm afraid, because the no ball ends the game. As soon right. as the, bat, the fact that the, the bowler has overstepped the crease means it's one run to the batting side and everything after that is completely irrelevant. So Warner's celebrations of his 100, somebody's going to have to go out there and have the lovely task of telling him, you finished on 96, mate, but you won the game. So uh, that is how that would actually play out in reality. I don't think I've ever actually seen that happen, but that is... Uh, I've, I've seen it happen twice. Uh, the, the famous one is um, Surav Randiv did that for uh, to Verunda Sewag. Uh, with one run needed to win, and so I, I think was on 99. Uh, I think um, that's, that's absolutely correct. Yeah, and didn't it cause a massive diplomatic stink? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that Rand have got some kind of unsportsmanlike conduct thing, and Karen Pollard did it with a huge overstep against Evan Lewis, I think, in the CPL yeah. um, a couple of years ago, um, 
And it, it was one where it was like the 13th over and Lewis had just smashed it to all parts. So it's not even like the game was uh, was in the balance. Um, it was pure spite to uh, deny a man a century. <laughs> I've seen that in a club game. I used to play with a guy called Dennis Compton, no relation. And there was a guy, I think, 97 not out. And the bowler bowled a wide and Compo, it kind of went to him at fine leg and he kicked the ball over the boundary for five wides or whatever. And I mean, it was quite funny, but it was also a really nice thing to do. I'll tell you what, Sam, <laughs> you've actually just moved us on to Neil's question there a little bit. Oh, no. Neil, your question. You are the umpire. David Warner. <laughs> Cover drives through the offside. Goes through the infield. The fielder at cover dives to try and get the ball, but he falls onto his elbow and hurts himself, so he stays on the ground. The ball runs off towards the fence, but the outfield's a little bit soggy, and the ball ends up finishing about a foot short of the boundary rope. Another fielder from miles away chases after this delivery, gets there, but realises that the batsman have run five as he's taken all that time to get to the ball. So instead of actually picking the ball up and throwing it back into the wicketkeeper, he decides to fall on the ball, pretend that he's fielding it, but chuck it back over the rope so he thinks he's going to actually be four. So he stands up, signals four, four umpire, not the five that they've run. What do you do as an umpire? To be honest, I'd be tempted to give the five run and an extra extra fourth um, as overthrows. So if you've completed the run before the ball goes over the boundary, the only time you really see it practically during a game is by a, a shite stump and, um, and overthrows that way. And it'd be additional to what's already run. Generally, when it's a four, it hits the boundary so quickly that they don't even bother going for it. So I'm going to say nine. Neil Varani, that is, I, th- I thought that was the hardest one of the lot. He said, basically, th- these all come from a book. It's a really good book, actually. John Holder and Paul Chevalier, their book, You Are the Umpire. These all come from that book. And what John Holder's answer to that is, if you are content that the fielder deliberately threw the ball over the boundary, five runs stand that they've run, plus the boundary. So nine runs in total. If uncertain, then you only stay with the five runs. But I think you answered that well enough to take all five points out of that round. So Dan takes five, Sam takes one, Neil takes five, Dan is 27, Sam's on nine, and Neil is on 25. Can I just show you documentary evidence that J.W.H.D. Douglas is the captain in the 1920-21 series? Um, I can't see it at the moment, so we'll just have to keep you on to uh, 27. There's there's a star next to the great man's name. (laughs) Right, we have a couple of nearest the pin rounds to finish with, and they're going to be separated by another couple of who am I's. So there are points to be gained, but the nearest to the pin rounds, you can actually lose points. So Sam, this is not all over, mate. You can actually, if one of these two has a howler on one of these nearest the pin questions, they get minus points, and you could still come through and win this quiz. James, how how does this type of question work? I, I don't think I've heard it before. Well, I'm going to, I'll explain it. If you, if you stay quiet and listen, I'll explain it. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example then. I'll give you an example. Could, it could, this could be a number. It could be a year. So if you said, if the answer was say 1970 and you guessed 1940, you'd get minus 30 because you're 30 out. That makes sense? That makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Dan, your first question. How many times have Chennai Super Kings won the IPL? Oh, brutally cruel of you to ask me that question, knowing full well that I can't remember whilst I care deeply about it while it's on. Um, It's quite a lot, isn't it? But it's not quite as many as all that because they weren't around forever. I'm going to go with three. 
done Norcross. You have got full points for that. You get zero points because you get it bang on. And the objective of nearest the pin is to not lose any points. So you get zero and stay in first place. Sam, how many times have Glamorgan won the county championship? Sam gone home. <laughs> it's going to be a complete, sorry, it's going to be a complete guess. I don't know why I was kind of musing because I don't know the answer. It's going to be a complete guess. I reckon they may have had, maybe had their day. I'm going to go five. It's not a bad guess. They won three times. So unfortunately, Sam, you get minus two for that okay. answer. I'm live with that. Neil, timeless tests. How long did the longest test match ever played last in days? This the one in South Africa where they had to, they only finished it because they had to get the boat. Um, you can do this, Neil. You can do this. Yeah, you know the okay. game. Okay, well, six day tests on unheard of before. I'm going to say eight. Oh, that is a really good saying, guess. Is it, it's, is it 11? It's nine. Nine? It oh, is nine. That's a great guess. Yeah, so it's a fantastic guess, Neil. So you basically all stay roughly the same. Dan, exactly the same. Minus two for Sam. Neil, minus one. Couple of rounds then of Who Am I? And then we'll have another one of the nearest the pins to finish off with. And the last round of nearest the pins is a little bit harder. So Sam, don't despair. Well, right. I need to gamble here, I think, James. Yes. I need to gamble and go in early. You do. All right. Who Am I? For five points, I was born on New Year's Eve in 1983. I was the youngest of four children. For four points, I was the first woman cricketer to score three consecutive ducks in women's T20 international history. Oh, Dan. Dan. Yes. Ebony, Rainford, Brent. I thought you might get that one. I thought you might get that one. So that's four to Dan Norcross for guessing Ebony, Rainford, Brent. The other clues there... Introduction to cricket came through the charity Cricket for Change, which visited my primary school when I was aged nine. I was named after all of my grandmothers and great-grandmothers, because she's called Ebony Jewel, Cora Lee, Camellia, Rosamond, Rainford Brent. And for the final point, 22 ODIs for England with a top score of 72, and the first black woman to play for the England team. The Does fi- it mean that I, I got her on the three consecutive ducks? the final who am i then of uh, this quiz this year five points i was appointed an honorary member of the order of australia on the 27th of november 2009 and i was inducted into the icc hall of fame for four points sam sam i've got to go for something haven't i i'm gonna go for steve wall Oh, Sam, 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 I'm afraid not. You're out of the rest of it. Four points. No, it's all right. I had to do it. You had to. It was, it was a valiant effort. For four points, I was one of 11 siblings. I dated a former receptionist at Durham County Cricket Club, and she was also a lingerie model. For three points, I have a cricket ground named after me on my home uh, island in West Indies. Neil. Yes. Gary Sobers. Incorrect. So it's just you, Dan, now with two points available. Um, I'm gonna, can I go for it on the three points? You can. Getting the second? Yes, you can. I'm going to go... Uh, uh, oh, no, actually, no, 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 I won't. Go, give, me, <laughs> give, me the, give me the next one. Give me the next one. Yep. I have scored the most centuries for the West Indies. And one point, I cracked the small matter of 501 not out against Durham in June 1994. Brian Nora, yeah. Brian Nora. Yeah, Brian Nora. I didn't realise he was the youngest to be 11th. Yeah, so uh, I was I was fascinated. I, I almost went for Viv Richards. Thought no, he's not the youngest of eleven. So Dan takes um, one point from that. Thirty-two for Dan, twenty-four for Neil, seven for Sam, 
But we now enter the final nearest the pin rounds where it all could change. Don't despair, Sam. Going to go with you first, Sam, darling. To set, yeah. You'll set the benchmark with your answer for this one. What score did Gary Sobers, so Garfield Sobers, make in his only ever one-day international? Oh, part of me, well, I've got no chance. I just want to not get naught. I need to outdo University Challenge. So I just <laughs> don't want to be, as I saw it described, as a person who's taken the wrong corridor and walked onto a TV set. Oh, I'm going to go. I think Garfield Sobers in his only ODI, I'm... 70% sure he made 23 before being caught behind. You're going for 23. So Garfield yeah. was out for a duck at Headingley in 1974. So you take minus 23 points from that answer. Wonderful. And that takes you to minus 16 as your final total. Well played, Sam. You've represented the Big Bash Badgers with distinction. Um, Thank <laughs> you. Neil, <laughs> the uh, final question for you. In what year was the first televised test match? Ooh. Your silence isn't good for a podcast. <laughs> no, no, apologies. Um, okay, so regular. So we talking actual live, live viewing of the the whole test match. The question is: uh, in what year? In, in what year was the first televised test match? I am going to go for nineteen fifty six. You are minus 18. It was 1938 on English television. There was uh, coverage of the test match on the TV. So you lose 18 points there. So you finish on a very respectable plus six points, Neil Varani, which means... I'll take that. Dan Norcross, you have 32. So you need to be within 26 on this answer to uh, win the uh, Brain, Cricket Badger Brain Award, (laughs) whatever we called it at the start. West Indies... Won the first World Cup final when they beat Australia. How many runs did the West Indies win that match by? Oh, right. That's absolutely brutal. There are a bunch of run right towards the end. Vivian Richards to the four. It was kind of exciting, but they'd sort of won it. I need not to be out by 26, don't I? That's it. So if they won it by one run... And I said 25, and they won it by 51 runs, which I don't think they did. Then that would put me in a safe zone. I think they won it by fewer than that by fewer than 25. But tactically speaking, because of the situation, because we've yet to verify Johnny won't hit today, Douglas, <laughs> which will happen, I'm going to say that. Australia lost that game. The West Indies won it. Oh, my God. Did they actually thrash them? No, that was the following one. And England was thrashed. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, oh, I can be safer, can't I? Because I'm 26 ahead. So I'm going to say they won by uh, 26 runs. Your guess is 26 runs. The West Indies won the first ever World Cup final by... This is like being on X Factor. I like this. The power um, by 17 runs. So you are nine out. You get minus nine. But it means you are the Cricket Badger. Big brain of the year. 2020. Dan Norcross. Oh, I can't tell you what this feels like. I've only ever won uh, one one uh, award ever in my life before today. And, and that, well, I, I tell a lie. There's one other, but I'm not going to mention it. Uh, I won Worst Dressed Man at Money Extra in 2003. And um, 
And I think this surpasses it. I genuinely do. Uh, I, I, I don't know. This is the, the, what a great way to end a terrible year. Badger, I'm, I'm honoured. I want to say thank you to Neil. Thank you to Sam. You've been great contestants. I mean, there were some tough questions in there for, for you. I thought you were you were given some real stinkers. The questions fell right for me. I'm, uh, I was very fortunate today, but it's, uh, it was an honour to take part. And um, and to you, Badger, um, a great quiz. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you to everyone. I want to thank my parents that are now both dead. I want to thank my wife for supporting me. Um, uh, and I want to thank the, the whole commune of Tooting, which uh, makes waking up every day and looking out over urban sprawl that much easier to manage. Neil Varani, you are our silver medalist. You have the second biggest brain of the year on the Cricket Badger podcast. That was a really good effort from you, mate. I uh, was impressed by a few of your answers there. Your knowledge was very good, as was displayed on the IPL dailies during the uh, IPL as well. That was a, a good effort. Hopefully you enjoyed that. Absolutely. And a second in, uh, in a quiz of this quality is much better than uh, rolling over uh, people down at the Wandle on a, a Tuesday evening. So very happy with that. I'll tell you what, Sam, you might have finished on minus points um, as a result of that quiz. But I actually think Dan's right. You've got a, a couple of stinkers along the way there. And I think um, your ambition of not being disgraced on this quiz was realised. Well, you know, look, James, it's, it's given me some lessons. I'll go away, take a lot from it and, and learn from my mistakes. I think I, you know, I shot myself in the foot with Jeffrey Boycott early doors. There were other answers that were were more obvious but I tried to be a bit too clever and you know it all went downhill from there so you know no complaints really let's finish off this uh, New Year's Eve edition then of the Cricket Badger podcast um, one answer from each of you the same question though your highlight your your best moment cricket wise in the year 2020 is a horrible year we've seen some terrific uh, efforts to get cricket on around the world in the bio bubbles etc 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 Start with you, Neil. What would be your highlight when you look back at 2020 amidst all the grey and the fog? What was the best cricket cricketing moment? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go for two two moments actually. One on field, which was uh, the Test over the weekend with India winning uh, convincingly in Australia. But off field, and I think overall, uh, the biggest moment was the rain delay on first day of the first Test against West Indies. That pause in the game um, enabled Michael Holding and ERB uh, to speak very candidly and passionately about their experiences. Um, I think that was hugely important for everyone and possibly even more so than the game. Sam, what about you? Yeah, that, as Neil said, that one actually did spring to mind as a kind of off-the-field the moment. Um, on the field, people who know me would maybe accuse me of having a slight bias towards Somerset. And I mean, I'm very open to that. And I was very fortunate to be at New Road for what was effectively a, a pseudo semi-final between Somerset and Worcester. And it, it was a really, it was quite tough. Well, in the end, Somerset won it fairly comfortably, but it was a, it was a tight game. Um, but that moment when a, it was a Craig Overton, I think, took the final wicket. And then the boys did their, um, they, they sing the Blackbird song afterwards in the dressing room. I was, you know, I couldn't be happier at that point. I know I'm not a big man for holidays. If, even if there was no pandemic going on, that is how I would use my holiday, being at New Road for that. And Dan, you've had uh, experience of being in the bubbles this year as well as uh, watching from a distance too. What was your fondest memory of the year 2020? Well, yeah, I, I can agree with uh, both Sam and Neil, actually, that because it was the first thing that came to my mind. was It was on the field. It wasn't just the holding, uh, Michael Holding and every range of friends, but it was the when all the players took the knee to start the game 
and really brought home to us that cricket was finally taking this issue seriously and that the world was taking this issue seriously and that cricket was in step with the world was a um, relatively rare experience as a cricket lover. So I, I, I found that incredibly moving. Uh, but for me, what I witnessed in the first test match between England and Pakistan at Old Trafford was uh, one of the most thrilling test matches I've ever been at without a crowd there. It was pretty poignant, of course, but uh, watching a young bowler like Nassim Shah and Shaheen Shah Afridi changed the whole kind of tenor of the summer with the way they bowled and the Pakistan team that played in a very different style from either England or uh, the West Indies and injected a different flavour which was absolutely marvellous but to have the game capped by um, as you know my favourite cricketer and the man who I maintain should be playing for England in all three formats for uh, uh, until at least he's 75 maybe you know, I might let him retire about 80 Josh Butler to see him and Chris Wokes on a really difficult track against some really good bowlers fashion a 139 run partnership wasn't it that won the game from a seemingly impossible position. Uh, it was a privilege to be there. It was a stunning partnership and it was lovely to see Josh Butler make a matrimony contribution to a test match. A man after your own name, James. Exactly. Um, exactly. I think we might could, we might even be related somewhere. We, we have to be somehow because there aren't many two T-Butlers really. about. Yeah, there aren't many of us about. Could, could there be two nicer men to do it in world cricket, though, than Chris Wokes and Josh Butler? I mean, it was... I thought you were going to include me in that, then. really lovely. <laughs> I thought you were going to... Well, I'm sure if you'd made it to the top level, you would have been added to that triptych. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, that was that was, uh, that was was a really great moment. It's bringing a, a small tear to my eye, as I recall it, truth be told. Yeah, I yeah, can't uh, really um, go any, any better than that. I think the, the answers you've just given... Sum up the year 2020 really nicely. I think the, the only other thing that I'd mentioned, obviously purely from a selfish point of view with my podcast, Michael Carberry's efforts as well. When he came onto the podcast uh, very shortly after the George Floyd incident in America, the way he spoke on the podcast uh, back then went quite a long way, I think, to actually encouraging some of the other conversations that followed that within cricket. So I think Carbs can take a huge amount of uh, credit for coming on and saying what he said in that edition. But uh, I think it's been testament to cricket really how it has i mean i've not the ecb on the hundred and on various other things but i think the way they dealt with the summer that we've just had was absolutely superb none of them were scientists none of them were experts in bio bubbles and and how viruses spread but they probably had to do a lot of reading and attend a lot of meetings that they didn't necessarily want to have and uh, got a summer to us that uh, i think made an awful lot of difference to cricket lovers in this country being able to watch test matches on the television and listening to test match special etc i think was uh, was huge so massive congratulations to them and all of the grounds and everybody involved in getting cricket on this year including you mr norkers because i i listened to you on tms when you were on um, I think it was superb for cricket and uh, superb for cricket badges like myself to actually have some cricket to look at, even though we couldn't attend the grounds and see it in person. Neil, I'll say goodbye to you first. I wish you a very, very happy new year. Thank you to you for your efforts in the IPL daily a few months ago now, isn't it? And uh, not long now till the next one. So hopefully we will talk to you again very, very soon indeed. Absolutely, James. Happy new year to everyone out there. Hope to see a lot more quality cricket across the globe in the coming year. And uh, thanks to all the boards, especially the ECB, who, yeah, like James, I 
have had issues with over a lot of stuff, but I think it's fair to say that Tom Harrison possibly saved the organisation um, and cricket in this country by minimising their financial losses and getting cricket on uh, this summer. Um, so hope to see more of the same in the new year. And uh, Sam, very happy 2021 to you as well. I'm going to continue to work you like a dog on the uh, Big Bash Daily podcasts. Uh, your efforts on that are much appreciated. And hopefully you have a really good New Year's Eve and a very happy next year. Well, thank you, James. Um, and you're welcome, Like, Thank you for having me involved. And I just hope, like everyone, you know, next year is going to look a bit different after a while. And my hope, I was very fortunate to get to a lot of county cricket this year. And I hope that what it has showed is actually people, you know, they say you don't know what you've got till it's gone. And actually, it was kind of gone for a bit. But actually, the interest out there in county cricket is huge. Look at some of the numbers of people watching the live streams and on social media. And so I really hope that as and when the grounds open it up again next year, the, the crowds will swell at county cricket because I think people realised how much they loved it and how much they missed it which is going to be you know brilliant moving forward so thank you for having me yeah here, here. I fully echo that county cricket very important that we support that and get back down there and keep those county cricket clubs afloat because they've not uh, had the best of years financially because nobody's been going in and buying tickets Dan Norcross finished with you our champion our cricket badger gigantic big brain of the year 2020 it's been a pleasure having you on as always Mr. Norcross, and I wish you a very, very happy 2021. Thank you so much, James. Thank you for having me. As I say, thanks, thanks to Sam and Neil for participating as well. It's been great fun. Um, as for next year, I, I want to really big shout out to the New Zealand men's test cricket team because a couple of weeks ago they were denied the ICC world number one spot by the barest of all margins <laughs> by something like 0.08 of a point. Well, apparently, we go into the end of 2020 with New Zealand sitting on top of the world with all the eyes on India against Australia, quite rightly, in a brilliant test series. Isn't it marvellous that plucky old New Zealand, who incidentally also handled this pandemic as a country better than any other country in the world, find themselves finally, unheraldedly, on top of the world and I don't know if it's possible. I think it is possible, uh, depending on how the results pan out. But wouldn't it be marvellous if New Zealand found themselves in the World Test Championship final at Lords in June and we were commentating on them as the match is tied and they lose on boundary count. <laughs> there had to be or, something or, evil or, to finish or, it with. <laughs> well, it might, it, might be, it might be lack of appeals or something. I don't know what it would be, but... Um, genuinely, though, I think they're marvellous for cricket because we spend so much time on so many podcasts. I'm sure Neil and Sam do, and, and I know I have done with you, James, bemoaning how uh, the big three take all the money and arrange the schedules so that it fits and works for them. And so when a side like New Zealand can show that cricket and test cricket, the toughest form of the game, can still be won by a side with not a lot of resources, but who just play the game brilliantly, We've got a, a team for the ages that never had a side like it. Um, I hope we spend a little bit more time talking about them and reveling in their success and how fantastic they've been. And um, maybe Kane Williamson can get the order of Australia himself and have a ground named after him, even if he isn't the youngest of 11 siblings. <laughs> I don't know if I dreamt this, but I've, I've spent an awful lot of time listening to the radio, um, listening to the 
Australia against India series where they were talking about stuff. And I'm not sure if I dreamt this well, so I was listening to it or if I actually heard this. But if New Zealand stay as number one until, is it end of March, they take a massive check, don't they? Million dollars and a big mace. Yay. Good you luck. Gotta, you've got to like that. Uh, do you know, you know what they'll do? They'll, they'll probably hand the mace back for safekeeping to someone else. And they'll give the million dollars to Zimbabwe so the, or, or, or Afghanistan so they can... They prove their cross Royal Street game. They're the loveliest people on the planet. We don't deserve them. You can be too nice though, can't you, Dad? Oh well, yeah. I mean, obviously, <laughs> once we get off air, I'm going <laughs> to spit on a picture of Ross Taylor. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, unfortunately, there isn't a check for a million dollars and a mace heading your way as a prize for winning the Big Brain of the Year. But uh, much appreciated to Dan, Sam. And to Neil for joining me on this special New Year's Eve edition. Hopefully you've enjoyed listening to it. Thank you to bluecrocodile.co.uk for their current support of the Cricket Badger podcast. I've been James the Cricket Badger and all that's left for me to say is have a very happy New Year everybody. Thank you for listening for the Cricket Badger podcast during 2020. It's been a funny old year and you've kept me going to a large extent by uh, keeping, well, I've kept myself going by doing the podcast and you've kept me going by listening to them. But hopefully you'll continue to do that in 2021. And I'll see you the other side of some big celebrations. Happy New Year, everybody. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.